Welcome to the Dynasty Freaks podcast with your host, Justin Christopher. For free rankings, player values, waiver wire tips, and trade advice, follow him online at dynastyfreaks.com or email dynastyfreaks at gmail.com. Hello and greetings from Austin, Texas. Welcome all of you Dynasty Freaks. Admit it, you are addicted to Dynasty. I am too. My name is Justin Christopher. I am a Dynasty Freak, which means I love drafting and trading and scouting and managing all of my teams 365 days a year, especially in the playoffs. So do you. So let's talk some Dynasty on episode number 167, week 15 in the NFL. Oh my goodness. What a crazy week to have the first week of the playoffs in the fantasy leagues. It was a roller coaster of emotions, I know, for me. Uh, as of this moment, I'm recording on Monday afternoon before the two Monday night games. Uh, the ride on this roller coaster is just not over because there's four more games, two on Monday, two on uh, Tuesday. So the games are all up in the air. I know I have five teams in the playoffs right now, and I could win or lose any of them depending on what happens on Monday and Tuesday night. So Dynasty Freaks like you and me, we are going to follow the teams to the bitter end, uh, two of those Tuesday night games, um, even while those two uh, COVID-ridden teams play at the same time on Tuesday night. It was crazy. NFL schedule and then my holiday schedule really forced me to um, to stay on my usual recording. I'm recording on Monday afternoons and posting on Tuesday mornings. So today when I talk about the week, I'm only going to talk about the Thursday, Saturday, and Sunday games because that's all that I have seen uh, thus far. But I do want to give my 10 observations. And now that we're in the playoffs, I'm going to do a little bit of a shift, not talk about the waiver wire. Since trade deadlines have passed uh, today, I'm actually going to talk about some of the trades that I've made this season and just kind of honestly assess them. Observation number one, I've kind of already hinted at it. I'll just call it scheduling chaos. Can't talk about week 15 without speaking about the chaos and scheduling due to COVID. Three games were rescheduled um, on the on the first weekend that we had, you know, games scheduled for Saturdays and had no bye weeks. So this, you know, very busy week, three of the games got rescheduled um, as a result, 16 games were played, and they were played out of five days of the week. Uh, so it was crazy. You have games on uh, Thursday, Saturday, Sunday, Monday, Tuesday. That's what's going to happen. And so in one sense, I think these changes are really made for a wonderful week for Dynasty managers because, hey, more football. We all want that. But in another sense, however, uh, this week was an emotional roller coaster with Dynasty managers in the playoffs because if you're watching the scoreboard like I do, watching all my teams, it was pretty painful. Uh, because the games are spread out over six days, managers could watch their teams jump out to you know big leads, and then they could see themselves fall hopelessly behind in other games in these playoff matchups. Uh, for instance, I was hopelessly behind um, a team that started Travis Kelsey on Thursday when he had his 36-point game night. Um, I got back into contention on Saturday when Jonathan Taylor had a 23-point outing. It's just like this. These ups and downs of this week continued on Sunday, and now they're going to continue into Monday and Tuesday. So this week's going to provide a lot of data points, uh, making scoreboard watching a real roller coaster experience. Uh, it was a nice ride if you ended up on one of the winning playoff matchups, and it was terrible if you uh, were one of the teams that had to watch your team go up and down and ultimately fall. We'll see what will happen. Like I said, I've got five playoff teams myself and have watched the emotional roller coaster take place, and we got two more days of it taping here again on Monday afternoon. Next observation, I'll talk about the Thursday night game. I'll call it Fast Start. So Thursday night's highly anticipated high-scoring game delivered, uh, getting many fantasy teams off to a great start this week. As I mentioned um, just just now, Travis Kelsey scored 36 points in the Thursday game. Since week one, um, Patrick Mahomes had his best fantasy game with 30 points, rewarding playoff teams that kept starting him, even though he provided kind of mediocre production 
for much of the middle of the season. It was great to have him do this on a playoff week number one. And then Tyreek Hill had 27 fantasy points for his managers too. Clyde Edwards-Alaire was the only dud for Kansas City. And then on the other side, Justin Herbert, he could have had such a better day than he did. He had a good day, but it could have been so much better if they not had repeatedly failed on fourth down and goal attempts. So many fourth down tries that they just could not get the ball in there, let alone the players that dropped passes that he put right in their hands. Very frustrating. And though they did miss out on the opportunities, Herbert, uh, Keenan Allen, Austin Eckler, they did enough to please their dynasty managers, but man, they left him frustrated because they could have had these game-winning performances. Uh, Mike Williams, kind of like Clyde Edwards-Lair, was really the only dud. And Williams' dynasty stock has really fallen every single week since week five. He had that crazy start to the season, but it's just been slow, slowly falling and falling and falling. And this week, he was the Chargers' dud after dropping passes, including touchdown passes uh, Thursday night. Definitely got the fantasy uh, games or fantasy playoffs started with a pretty good thriller start to the roller coaster. Next thing I'll mention, uh, observation, I'll say hear them roar. Talking, of course, about the Lions. Uh, Detroit laid the wood on Arizona Cardinals with players that almost no one had in their starting lineups. Craig Reynolds, who no dynasty manager had heard of before last week, was a leading rusher in the NFL on Sundays, in Sunday's games, 112 yards on the ground. And then it was Amon Ross St. Brown and Josh Reynolds. Each had a touchdown catch, and they produced in their highest you know, fantasy points of the season for both of them. St. Brown, as you know, is one of my players that I touted before the rookie drafts this season. Uh, it took some time to break out, but he's officially doing it here at the end of the season. I'm glad that I drafted him in so many leagues, and I'm glad that I traded Darnell Moody for him during the rookie draft of this last year to get him on my team. And then there's Josh Reynolds. Uh, I have him also on a lot of my teams because I added him once Detroit picked him up. I even started him in one playoff matchup this week, so that came through for me. Uh, since week 11, Reynolds has had 36 more snaps and 11 more targets than Khalif Raymond. He's established himself as the true uh, wide receiver, too, in Detroit, and he has every chance to stay there. Uh, Detroit waved Terrell Williams a few weeks ago, uh, indicating that they like what they have in Reynolds. And then Quintus Cephas, uh, he looked good to start the season, but he's not played since being injured in week five. Cephas and St. Brown are the only receivers Detroit has under contracts this season, uh, after this season, rather. Uh, but I believe that Reynolds is going to sign a modest contract with the team this offseason and stay there in Detroit. Next observation, which was a crazy one, the Duke is back. <laughs> COVID struck the Miami running back room last week while they were on their bye week, but Miles Gaskin and Salvin Ahmed were cleared to play Sunday. However, in a switch, in a surprise, Duke Johnson stole the show on Sunday, carrying the Dolphins to their sixth straight win and 127 yards of offense on, and two touchdowns for Duke Johnson. Uh, Gaskin played. He saw touches in the game, but Johnson just outproduced him. He ended the day with 15 more snaps than Gaskin and 11 more touches than Gaskin. Uh, Johnson's bounced from team to team this year, landing on several practice squads You know when starters would get injured. But surprises like this happen pretty often. Um, at the end of a season when running backs you know, that have the fresh legs get added to teams, uh, and he did look fresh. He really actually looked really good on Sunday, and he saved the Dolphins from an upset loss uh, to the Jets at a home loss. That would have been even. Um, it's hard to predict if the Dolphins will you know, go with a hot hand approach and give it to Johnson in these next couple weeks. Um, it's really, really hard to predict. Um, but we do know that they signed him to their official roster this week, so he's moved up from the practice squad to officially sign to their 53-man roster. Uh, he's permanently out of that you know, practice squad now for the team. Uh, Johnson would be the first player, by the way, that I would try to add this week um, in waivers 
uh, just want to see what he can do if he can't help this season. Uh, maybe just hold him and see what Miami does in the offseason with the running backs. Next thing I'll say is I'll call it still not right. Oh, this one's hard. This is painful to admit, but something is still not right with Saquon Barkley, uh, who Devontae Booker outperformed in a competitive game against the Cowboys. Uh, Booker did not compile his yards in fantasy and get his fantasy points in garbage time either. Uh, he was a big part of the offense, and he simply just outplayed Barkley. It's hard to believe that Barkley, the consensus you know number one pick in startup drafts a few years ago, has lost a step or that he's maybe unable to recover from these injuries. He's only 24 years old, but it looks like maybe he can't bounce back. Um, I've made excuses for him throughout the season because the Giants' offense has been so bad. But when Book, you know, Booker looked better than Barkley on Sunday with the same lousy offense and a backup quarterback and even a third-string quarterback, it made me rethink my bad offense excuse. I don't know if I can keep making that excuse for Barkley. Barkley and Booker actually have the exact same amount of fantasy points, 108 on the season right now. Uh, Barkley did miss three games to injury, though. But Booker, get this, in those three games, Booker scored 14, 15, and 14 points when he was given the backfield minus Barkley. 14, 15, 14. Barkley has only scored 14 or more fantasy points in three games this entire season. I only have Barkley in one league, and I traded A.J. Brown to get him last offseason. I regret that trade immensely right now. I lost my playoff matchup. I'm going to lose my playoff matchup most likely because of Barkley uh, being on my squad and having a bad game this week. Next observation, I'll call it uh, top of that. Top of that. Uh, Travis Kelsey regained the highest scoring tight end spot with his 36-point game on Thursday, but he only held that for a few days because Mark Andrews took it right back on Sunday, uh, even with a backup quarterback throwing him passes. Andrews didn't keep, uh, didn't top Kelsey's 36 points, but he got close with 31 of his own, uh, matching Kelsey with two touchdown catches this week. Uh, Kelsey and Andrews crossed to the 1,000-yard mark this week as far as yards receiving. Uh, Andrews trails Kelsey by only four yards receiving on the whole season, uh, but he does have one more touchdown pass. That's why Andrews is just ahead of Kelsey right now in the number one spot. Uh, last week, I moved Andrews ahead of Kelsey in my dynasty rankings uh, with a nine-years age gap between them. I should have done this sooner. Uh, Andrews is now my number two ranked tight end behind only George Kittle, which is the only tight end that's averaging more points per game than Andrews is uh, this season. On another note with the Ravens, uh, Tyler Huntley, uh, he really just had eyes for Andrews during those first you know, two career starts, and he's been wise to do so. Uh, even though the Ravens lost both of those games without Lamar Jackson, uh, he looked like an NFL starting quarterback. Uh, he's not under contract next season, so the ga- these games could be serving as an audition leading him to get signed you know, as a starter for a team next year, or at the very least be brought in to compete for a starting job. I think in one quarterback leagues, Huntley is very likely on the waiver wire. I think I might look to add him um, at the back of my roster uh, this week too. Next, we'll call it making money. Making money. Russell Gage is playing well enough in, Cal- in Calvin Ridley's absence to warrant a new contract with the Falcons or perhaps another team next year. Uh, since Ridley left the team for those mental health reasons, uh, Gage has scored 11.5 fantasy points per game, and he's become a reliable starter in playoff matchups. Uh, he led the team in targets the last five weeks in a row, and I think he's just going to continue to do so for the rest of the season. Uh, he's had an incredible touchdown catch on Sunday when he leapt over a defender in the back of the end zone to come down with the ball, and he scored a season-high 19 fantasy points this Sunday. Throughout his career in Atlanta, uh, Gage you know, provided some consistent play uh, when allowed to play, more whenever Julio Jones was injured, but that happened a lot. That's when you kind of maybe consider putting Gage back in your lineup all those years. Well, this year he's had a chance to play the number one role 
instead of the number two, and he's making the most of it. Atlanta already needed wide receiver depth before Ridley stepped away, so um, they'd be wise to sign him. If you followed me for long, you know that Frank Darby was one of my late-round targets in rookie drafts this last year because I liked his college tape, and I thought that he could earn a role with a pretty bad um, Atlanta you know, wide receiver core. Uh, Darby and Gage were both six-round picks by Atlanta, one in 2018 and then one in 2021, respectively. Uh, Gage has proven to be a better pick, though, and they should sign him to a second contract before other teams try to get him in free agency. Next thing to mention is Doubting Dak. A lot of the talk this last week has been about Dak's current slump. Uh, He's even had to talk about it himself. Uh, The team is on a three-game winning streak, but not because Dak is carrying the team. Not at all. The Cowboys' defense is winning games for them and allowing Dak and the offense to play much more conservatively. Uh, The Cowboys have forced, this is crazy, forced four turnovers per game the last three weeks. That's it. That's crazy. Four turnovers in three games in a row. So the offense just hasn't had to do much. Uh, It'd be silly for me to think that the defense can continue to force that many turnovers. So I really believe that Dak is going to be more productive as he continues to play this season. Uh, He scored more than 20 fantasy points in seven out of 10 games that he played this season uh, before this three-game winning streak. And so he's shown that he can do it. Nothing's changed for Dak or his weapons over the last few few weeks. It's just the game scripts that have changed. And the defense forces that many turnovers. That's just what happens. Unfortunately, it comes at a bad time for dynasty managers in the playoffs. Dak's 10-point fantasy day resulted in a two-point day for Amari Cooper and an eight-point day for CeeDee Lamb. Um, unless you had some some of the you know stellar studs for this Week 15, if you had these Cowboys on your roster, um, you likely are not going to advance in the playoffs. Bad timing, but nothing to worry about as far as Dak from a dynasty perspective, nor let alone his uh, wide receivers. Next, I'll say mile-high disappointment. On, on Sunday, every player in the Bengals versus Broncos matchup underperformed their season average except for Tyler Boyd, uh, who had really just one big play the entire game, happened to be with 30 seconds left in regulation to win the game. Joe Burrow only had 101 yards passing until Boyd's 56-yard touchdown catch with 30 seconds left. Uh, T. Higgins... Jamar Chase combined for three catches total and 26 yards. It's ridiculous. Joe Mixon had just 60 yards. It was Chase's and Mixon's worst fantasy games of the year and Higgins' second worst. This was ridiculous. So sad for dynasty managers. I expected Denver's uh, excellent defense to make the Bengals you know, fantasy starters less productive than usual, but I didn't think that it would be this bad. I actually benched Joe Burrow in one league because of this. Um, and that's the only lead that I have in. But I just couldn't bring myself to bench Higgins or Chase or Mixon, who I have on other teams. There's no way that I could do that. Uh, on the teams where I started them, now I'm predicted to lose. still have a chance on these Monday and Tuesday games, but now I'm predicted to lose. So frustrating uh, to have these players. The same was true for the Broncos players, too, though they really only have two reliable fantasy starters right now anyway, Melvin Gordon and Javante Williams. Uh, Gordon had his second-worst fantasy playoff game of the season, and Williams had his worst game since their bye week. Uh, players in this game killed teams in the fantasy playoffs. Pretty fr- pretty frustrating. Uh, that is, unless you had their kickers, because they kicked four field goals, and three of the four were from 50-plus yards. So maybe you're in a league with kickers, and one of them helped you. All the Bengals players, we are know, all know, they're top 12 you know, dynasty pro- prospects, in my opinion. Um, so you're glad that you have them on your team, but that doesn't take away the sting of probably a loss this week. Javante Williams, I think he's going to move into the top tier of, of dynasty running backs very soon. Um, but the talented wide receivers in Denver, I've got some questions about them. I think that they need a new quarterback to see their dynasty value begin to rise again. Uh, hopefully that's going to happen for them this offseason. 
In my final and sad uh, 10th observation, I'll just say Sunday night downer. Uh, Week 15 started with the joys of the high-scoring Thursday night thriller, but it ended, at least the Sunday part of it, with a low-scoring disaster. Tom Brady and the Buccaneers were shut out in a painful 9-0 loss to New Orleans. Tom Brady carried fantasy teams into the playoffs with his play and his impact on all the other weapons on their team, but Sunday had the worst game of his fantasy season and his NFL season, and it brought the whole offense down with him. Uh, Brady's night night got worse when all of his pass catchers were injured. Chris Godwin, Mike Evans, Leonard Fournette all left the games with injuries. And the Saints didn't have it any better from their part. Um, As I predicted last week in in the podcast, I said that Taysom Hill's cheat code success is going to come to an end against Tampa Bay in their stout run defense. Well, it did. Um, I also expected Alvin Kamara to score much lower than his season average against the Bucs. But I didn't think that he would have his single worst fantasy day of the season. So many players had their worst fantasy day of the season uh, this last Sunday. It was brutal. And Sunday night, Dynasty managers tuned into the game with hoping of mounting comebacks or adding to leads. But instead, they just watched their winning percentage drop and drop and drop over the three hours. From a fantasy, from a dynasty perspective, rather, the Saints, I think they just really need a new quarterback and they need Michael Thomas back just to, to help, you know, help Alvin Kamara so that everyone just doesn't completely focus on him. Uh, his dynasty value holds just because he's so good, but that's going to be curious to see what happens this offseason with Michael Thomas and their quarterback situation. He can't do it himself every single week. As for Tampa Bay, man, Chris Godwin, it just came out that he actually tore his ACL and he's set to be a free agent this season. Uh, He could be ready to play in week one next season, but it's also possible that he's just not going to be ready. So it's going to be a very interesting offseason for him. Tampa Bay has to decide also what they're going to do with Leonard Fournette. I think if he signs with the Buccaneers, his dynasty value is going to remain pretty high. But I think it's going to drop if he signs with another team. If Brady comes back, which sounds like he wants to, Mike Evans is going to do what he always does. He's going to rack up 1,000 yards receiving and score a lot of touchdowns. Uh, It's going to be a curious offseason for Tampa Bay, that's for sure. Those are my observations from this week. Uh, one of the things that I like to do at this time of year is once the trade deadline passes, I like to go look at all of the other uh, all of the other um, trades that I've made and just kind of assess them, be honest about whether I've done well or whether I have made some mistakes along the way. It's a good practice for you to do too. Don't give up if you've, if you've kind of lost or you're out of the playoffs. Don't give up. Be a, be a dynasty freak, and dynasty freaks go back, and they look at their trades, and they try to say, hey, here's some things that I did wrong. Here's some things I did right. So... Honest assessment here, I didn't do all my trades. I just did the ones with you know significant players in them because I made a couple of low-level low trades throughout the year too. But here's some of the trades that I made in my honest assessment. First one is T. Higgins for DeAndre Hopkins. So I traded away Hopkins to get Higgins, and it was perfectly timed for my playoff run. Uh, Hopkins is one of my all-time favorite players, and he's been on my roster in this league for seven years. Uh, after I traded him that year for Mark Ingram, uh, I got Hopkins just before he had his breakout season. Man, he had loved having him on my team, but I just felt like it was time to move on. Hopkins' injuries and his lack of game-winning, uh, week-winning, I'll call them week-winning uh, games, had really begun to be a concern to me. He hasn't had more than 90 yards receiving. So I just decided that I wanted to sell Hopkins for a younger, up-and-coming wide receiver, and I found a taker in T. Higgins. Uh, Higgins you know, was underperforming at the time when I made the trade, but right when I got traded to me, that's when he had those three games in a row that were great until he let me down this week, which is a huge <laughs> bummer, like I already mentioned, Cincinnati's horrible week. This trade is probably the one that I'm most pleased with this season. Um, I'm thrilled to have bought back seven years in wide receiver production, seven-year difference between Higgins and Hopkins. Um, even though I love Hopkins, um, I'm glad to have him back. I'm the defending champ in this league. 
But like I said, I'm likely going to lose in the playoffs this week unless Dallas Goddard, Dallas Goddard scores me 30 points. He needs to have a Travis Kelsey or Mark Andrews kind of week for me or else I am going down. But I'm happy to have Higgins going forward rather than DeAndre Hopkins on this team. Next trade uh, I made, uh, Zach Ertz for Philip Lindsay and Philip Lindsay rather, for Darnell Mooney. Ertz and Lindsay for Darnell Mooney. This was when I was actually offered this trade for Mooney by a contending team that was desperate for a tight end because injuries and bye weeks had him with no one to start. In that league, I have Dawson Knox and Dallas Goddard on my roster, so I could easily part with Ertz. My wide receivers in that league are good, but they're getting older. Guys like Keenan Allen, Tyler Lockett, Robert Woods, Brandon Cooks, Jarvis Landry. And so my attempts to get younger at running back, I mean, at wide receiver in this team have so far failed because I, I drafted Jalen Rager and I drafted Brian Edwards, both of which appear to be bust right now. And then I traded away a first round draft pick for Tyler Boyd at the end of last season before the Bengals drafted Jamar Chase, thinking that Boyd's you know value was about, about to rise, but then it really got took a hit once they uh, drafted Chase. So uh, I just thought in this league, yeah, let me get another younger uh, wide receiver in Mooney. Uh, he already this season in this league is the 26th highest scoring wide receiver in this league for this season. And so he continues to give me some youth, and I was very willing to give up Philip Lindsay and Zach Ertz uh, to get Mooney. Happy with that trade too. These next two that I mentioned, I'm going to kind of make, play them in two parts because they're players that I traded for, and then I later traded the same player. So I want to let you know what kind of what happened overall with these trades. Um, earlier in the season, um, I traded for Devontae Freeman, and I gave away a 22 second round pick. But then later, I traded Freeman back to get Robert Woods. So net-net, um, I lost a 22 second round pick, and I got Robert Woods. Devontae Freeman was the piece that was used in both trades. Uh, this is what I might call like a bounce-back trade. In this case, I was fighting for the final playoff spot in a 14-team league. Um, so I traded a, a second, a future second round pick to get Freeman, uh, while he, that time when he was leading the Baltimore backfield, thinking that he could give me the small punch that I need to keep my playoff position. Unfortunately, with two games left, the writing was on the wall that I would not make the playoffs this season. So then I just put Freeman on the trading block, uh, hoping some playoff teams would want him. He's an every week starter in this 14 team league with no defenses, no kickers, and 10 starters, all flex positions. Um, Freeman's a starter every week and so I thought I could get something for him I hope to get back a second round pick but I could only get I got several third round picks and small time players but I really wanted something a little bit more so I countered you know for one of these older injured players Robert Woods and the owner accepted Um, I wish that I could have had my second round pick back honestly so that I could get a little bit younger in this league but I'm also very happy that I got Robert Woods too since I have a competitive roster and I have Matt Stafford so now I got the little Stafford Woods stack Hopefully Woods come back healthy from his injury, and he'll give me a few more productive years. Next trade I'll mention was uh, Zach Ertz. I, I traded uh, to get Zach Ertz, and I gave away Marcus Callaway and Johnny Smith. So I did this actually right before uh, he got traded uh, to Arizona. But then later in the season, I traded away Zach Ertz and Devontae Booker to get Logan Thomas. So the net-net of this is um, I gave away Marcus Callaway and Johnny Smith to get Logan Thomas, and Zach Ertz was the piece that was moved in both trades. I guess you could say Marcus Calloway, Johnny Smith, and Devontae Booker for Logan Thomas. Like I said, I acquired Ertz just days before he was traded to Arizona, so that was fun. Um, and his dynasty value, you know, started to rise significantly uh, after the trade was made. But the, the fact is that I just like Logan Thomas uh, more than Ertz. Uh, they're really close in my rankings. I have uh, Logan Thomas 12th, and I have Ertz 16 right now in my dynasty rankings. 
George Kittle is my starting tight end in this league, so Ertz and Thomas are really just, you know, one of them was just going to be backups to my team. Uh, when the oft-injured, you know, oft-injured Kittle is sidelined, it's good for me to have a backup in this league. And so, bottom line, I just preferred Logan Thomas over Zach Ertz, and that's kind of what ended up happening uh, with this tra- trade. Both guys are old, but Thomas is one year younger at 30. Um, I just like Thomas more than most people do, and I've made that clear in a lot of trades that I've made over the last couple of years. Two more trades to talk about, and then we'll close out this Week 15 podcast. Uh, one trade that I made and was uh, Chuba Hubbard and Ricky Sills-Jones. I acquired them, and I gave away Dallas Goddard and Mike Davis. So I got Chuba Hubbard and Ricky Sills-Jones, and I gave away Goddard and Mike Davis. So in this trade, I overpaid. I definitely overpaid to get Chuba Hubbard as the handcuff to my Christian McCaffrey, who was killing me on my team by being injured for so long for a second year in a row. So I made this trade earlier in the season before Amir Abdullah started to cut into Hubbard's time. I think even before Abdullah was even on the team or on the active roster, at least. In this league, George Kittle is my starting tight end, so I was more willing to give away Goddard. Um, I felt like I just had to buy high to stay in the playoff race at that point. Um, and, you know, I think it was now looking back at it, it was pretty unwise to do to do this. Um, I have a top three roster in this league. But for the first, you know, in the first, you know, start of the league, I was just losing game because I had so many injuries. And I just wanted to get, you know, some safe fantasy points on my team. And I thought that Hubbard was the right one uh, to offer that to me. I also had Logan Thomas, who was injured. And so Ricky Seals-Jones was a viable starter for me while Logan Thomas and George Kittle were injured. So this was a desperation trade that I made uh, to try to just get some points into my lineup. And now it looks bad from a dynasty perspective. And I regret it. Um, on top of that, in this league, I traded away Christian McCaffrey, so now I don't have Hubbard as a backup, <laughs> as a, a handcuff. Uh, that's the next trade that I'll talk about close it up out the podcast. I traded Christian McCaffrey uh, to get Elijah Mitchell, Rashad Bateman, and a 2022 second-round pick. Elijah Mitchell, Rashad Bateman, 2022 second-round pick for Christian McCaffrey. Um, in a, this is a win-now move for me in an effort to secure a bye week in the playoffs. Yeah, I was trying to just get some more fantasy points into my into my you know lineup, and I had to do it by selling Christian McCaffrey. Uh, the other manager and I exchanged actually multiple counteroffers until I finally got what I thought could actually help me this year, but I also kept in mind what could help me for the future. Sadly, though, for the this year side of it, Elijah Mitchell's late season injury meant that he wasn't in my lineup, and I didn't secure a bye week. In fact, I, I lost a tiebreaker for the, for the bye week by 0.55 points. 0.55 points. I lost the tiebreak. So it looks like Elijah's not more, Mitchell's not going to help me this year. But if Mitchell, you know, has done enough this season to firmly win the leading role for the 49ers backfield in the future seasons, then I'm going to be very pleased with this side of the trade. I think if Mitchell gets caught in a Shanahan committee, like, you know, how often happens, but didn't happen this year once he's, you know, earned that role, I think then maybe I think that I maybe lost this trade. I was willing to take the risk, though, given that I added Bateman, one of my favorite rookie prospects, and a future second-round pick, which I know for certain is going to be pick number 11. It's a 10-team league, and this was a trade that I made with the worst team in the league, so I know it's pick number 11. So really, I, Christian McCaffrey, I got Elijah Mitchell, Rashad Bateman, and pick number 11. If uh, Bateman becomes all that I believe that he can, and if I hit this you know, number 11 pick this next year, uh, this will look like a good trade for me, even if Mitchell does get in somewhat a bit of a committee. Hopefully he doesn't, and I won't look silly. This is definitely one that's going to take a little while to look back on to make a final judgment of it for sure. 
Well, that's a wrap for, for this week, my freaky friend. Thanks so much for listening. Make it a two-way conversation anytime by contacting me at dynastyfreaks at gmail.com. That's dynastyfreaks with two E's at gmail.com. I am much better on email than Twitter, so that's the best way to contact me. I'd love to talk with you about your teams and hear uh, how your teams are doing here, hopefully, in the playoffs like the five of mine, that everything comes down to what happens on Monday and Tuesday night. I'll still put this out on Tuesday morning, so we will have known the results of the Monday morning uh, or the Monday night games, but we'll still have Tuesday hanging out there on the roller coaster. All right, well, take care, and uh, I'd be honored, like I always say, to uh, if you take time to rate and review the podcast and Apple Podcasts. Thanks for listening. I do appreciate your support. I want to become your most trusted, independent voice in the dynasty landscape. Until next time, you know what to do. Go out there, get freaky. Thanks for listening to the Dynasty Freaks podcast with your host, Justin Christopher. We welcome your thoughts and advice. Let us know what you'd like to hear on the podcast or see on the website to help you dominate your league. Justin prides himself in responding to every email, so hit him up anytime at dynastyfreaks at gmail.com and follow him on Twitter at LonghornJustin. Justin.